0: This show is supported by listeners like you at patreon.com slash kevinrothrock, where you can sign up to receive, this is new, stickers or coffee mugs, depending on how much cold, hard cash you are willing to shell out. folks! Welcome to another episode of The Russia Guy. I'm your host, Kevin Rothrock, and this is the show where I talk to movers and shakers in Russia-focused journalism, academia, and activism. Today we're rolling with academia. My guest today is Rob Lee, a doctoral student in the Department of War Studies at King's College London. That is a powerful title, isn't it? Or just sentence? Department of War Studies at King's College London. He's also a former Alpha Fellow, and he was in the U.S. Marines. So he's a tough, tough dude. You don't want to mess with him. And I certainly didn't. And while very tough, Rob was also kind enough to come onto this show to talk about the 33 Russian nationals, presumably mercenaries from the Wagner Private Military Company, or PMC. You're going to hear that initialism a lot today. Who were arrested in Belarus last month on July 29th. Officials in Minsk say the men are mercenaries from the Wagner PMC who plan to incite riots or maybe something else insidious ahead of the presidential election in Belarus on August 9th, which is like, we're recording this on August 8th, so it's like hours away that it's going to end. It's coming up. Russian diplomats, meanwhile, have identified the suspects as private security guards, not mercenaries, we'll get into that later, saying they were allegedly just passing through Belarus. For his research, Rob tracks Wagner combatants online, and I strongly recommend following him on Twitter for some great commentary on this subject.
1: You know, I cover Russian defense stuff. I cover a bunch of, you know, every day I just look at Russian defense kind of social media accounts, a few other places. Obviously, this is a big story, and anything, you know, dealing with the Russian military or private military companies, I'm interested in. One of the things with Covering the Russian military or or private military companies, so much of the information is is fragmentary, and and you're never going to have a really good, you never have like a, a full picture of what's going on because it's always you're not there's not like a Washington Post, New York Times covering this stuff, you know, with deep sources and things. It's it's a lot of it is you know pulling th- together random photos of of you know guys somewhere in Syria or or you know getting reports and and things on Telegram, and you know not all those accounts are you know credible or they have biases or what have you.
0: Can you tell me what are some of the sources that you actually do go to for this? You mentioned telegram channels. in general, when you, when you see a story like this break and you want to, say, write about it either on Twitter or maybe if you're writing a paper later on, like what are some of the worst where, places you'll turn? You know, not revealing any like, actual human beings that you source you possibly talk to. I mean, we'd have, you're not going to give me their identities, obviously, but just in terms of media sources that are open source, where are you looking?
1: on the russian side obviously nova Gazeta has a lot of good stuff often from them i think the bell has done a couple of good reports some long stuff radio svoboda has had some stuff and then it's you know a lot of it there are a couple of like telegram channels that are you know linked to russian pmc's some of them are anonymous or but some of those they're but they're now a bunch of instagram pages and telegram channels and it's somewhat it's funny to it somewhat uh mirrors stuff from the US where this is kind of operator culture in the US military where you know guys love posting photos of them doing you know different stuff and it's, and it's mostly associated with special operations forces and it's a bit of an issue because you know people are posting these photos they probably shouldn't be in different places and kind of giving away some you know secrets maybe not secrets but you know whatever and and you're seeing that now on the Russian side too there's just kind of a weird duplication where the Russians you know Russian special operations forces started kind of posting some of this stuff as well. Well, they have some PMC counts that, you know, even though they've, Russia's passed a few laws to try to ban, ban servicemen from posting photos of them when they're when they're downrange in different places, PMCs are still posting those photos and they're they're still getting up online all over the place. So some of them are on Telegram. There's a Lost Armor site that, that posts stuff all the time. And I think one thing just, you know, from, among the kind of Russian-speaking community is that there are a lot of very defense-oriented Kind of nerds, either in Russia or, or Russian-speaking, and, and he tracks stuff very well. And so, I mean, it's for me at least. I, I'm uh, I, you know I, I look at different accounts that are quite knowledgeable, and I often just take what they're saying because usually you know it passes a smell test for me. But you know, th- there's there's quite a bit of these kind of really you know pretty pretty well sourced knowledgeable guys about this defense stuff who cover this in Russian. And if you know where you're looking, it's uh, a good amount of information out there. But you know, ultimately, a lot of it still is just some of these accounts will post photos of guys, and you know, based off equipment, based off you know where they are. And like, I, I'm not good at geolocate. Okay, I don't know how to do that kind of stuff. But when I post photos on, on Twitter, then some of the guys that know how to do that kind of stuff will throw in and say, "Oh, this, you know, this photo's from this part of Syria," or you know, what have you. And from all that together, you can kind of start making a picture of, of some things and, and come up with some kind of you know, educated guesses about what they're doing and what the association with, you know, other Russian units are. And again, based on equipment, you know, some of the photos with just guys with small arms won't, won't necessarily tell you much, but other times they'll be, you know, they'll have artillery pieces or tanks or BMPs or what have you. And it's, you know, it starts telling you something that if, if he's, a, you know, from Wagner, that's stuff we wouldn't associate with a private military company in America. And so anyway, all those kind of things you put together. And obviously in, so, in some cases you know like, like this, this case in Belarus, when there's an identified case where you know there definitely was pro- Russian PMCs involved, same thing in, in, in 2018 with that firefight with U.S. forces in Deir zor Once you have one of those kind of identified cases, that's when you get really good reporting on it, right? Where maybe Russian sources might not report on otherwise, but once it's already been identified, then you'll get, you know, credible Russian sources reporting on things, and maybe some Western reporting too, and that's when you can kind of get a better idea of the picture of what's going on. Whereas, you know, other times when those kind of cases don't happen, you know, it's it, 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 you won't necessarily get as much reporting in, in as kind of deep source reporting.
0: And so it's a mix of kind of ge- geeks that are just writing about this sort of thing because. It's either part of their history or they just have a kind of interest in it. And then there are also people essentially posting selfies, I guess, that are kind of bragging about the the cool badass things they're doing. Is that a general? Yeah. yeah?
1: So a Combination okay. of those two. And, and again, a lot of you know, a lot of the work is already done, and I just kind of look at that stuff and then post it on Twitter. And then that's you know, that's pretty much it.
0: And have you found anything documenting the? The mercenaries that were in belarus before they were arrested were there any s- dumb selfies there
1: so nova Gazeta had a long article identifying a lot of the guys and the ukrainian w- was the site that identifies former donbass fighters i'm blank on the name
0: that's
1: right that's right and then then did a, I, I did a couple of the guys too so i mean again you know once once is a photo of them and once their name has been put out there Right, it's, it's 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 you're going to find out pretty quickly who they are, and you're going to get some you know amplify information. So, you know, it wasn't anything I was doing, but there's yeah, there's a long Novakis at the article that you know goes into detail on most of the guys, and I think they identified that I think a third of them had, had previously been had previously fought with Wagner. I think half had been in the Donbass at some point, and then like I think a third had been in Syria, and a couple had been identified uh, as having been in Libya as well. So you know, there's, there's some pretty decent reporting on on some of the backgrounds, but for me, I, I didn't I didn't know any of these guys ahead of time. I, I'm not, they're, they're obviously much more knowledgeable people than, than me to look at this stuff. So all of this is kind of just coming out after you know Belarus decided to to post photos of these guys and put up their passport information.
0: And based on what we know about how Wagner a- operates and so on, what theory convinces you most as to like why they were in Belarus? Like, do you think it's at all plausible that they were? there to do anything in Belarus, or were they just using it as a sort of midway point to either go to Venezuela or something else? I mean, what, what makes the most sense to you?
1: So I, th- I think this is one case where the Russian government's initial answer, explanation, actually made sense to me, and, and it seemed as though that was the, the the right view. You know, from the beginning, when Belarus kind of announced they had, you know, called all these guys, is Russian private military, you know, guys, and they said that they're here to, you know, to destabilize the election, and I think they, you know, suspected of, of trying to commit terrorist acts. N- none of that really made sense. It didn't make sense for a few reasons. One, it, it, this would have been a, a quite kind of strange move for Russia to do before the election in, in Belarus, and especially trying to, kind of, you know, it, uh, ostensibly to, to depose Lukashenko. I think, you know, it, it didn't really make much sense, and it, and it wasn't in keeping with how they responded previously, like after the Maidan, where they kind of waited until. You know, in the in the, in, the, in in among their neighboring countries, where when they intervened, it was after the position became untenable. So, Yanukovych's position was untenable, and that's when okay, we have to now respond. And so, in this case, the idea of doing something like this before the election, where you know, it, obviously Lukashenko's facing a much tougher kind of position than he's probably ever been in before, and, and, and the protest has been you know quite quite surprising and, and impressive. But I still think you know more than likely he's probably still going to survive. Right. He'll still probably be in power. And so, again, for, for Russia to to do this, especially in sh- such a strictly important neighbor and to kind of, you know, I I don't know what the 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 objective would have been. So. So first off, it, it wasn't really in keeping with Russian foreign policy or previous kind of actions from them. It didn't really make sense. On the second hand, you know, it, if Russia did want to destabilize Belarus, they wouldn't have used private military contractors. And so you know Russia invests a lot of money into their intelligence services. they have you know per capita probably one of the the the, the, lo- the highest number of intelligence officers, probably of you know most countries and this is a case where you know Belarus is obviously a neighbor it's it's very important. This is a case where you'd put in the the guys who are who are most adept and well trained to do this kind of situation. You wouldn't send in you know some of these guys who are you know, not not necessarily in the, in, in the best position in life. Some of these guys who are you know still fighting in Wagner in their like mid to late forties, and you know they didn't have the training to do so. There's a difference between you know combat experience and being kind of a soldier and being an intelligence officer. And uh, you know these guys would not have been the ones to choose to do so. So that 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 doesn't make sense as well. Nothing about this group made kind of sense. So if if they were going to try and destabilize Belarus, you you wouldn't have them in a group of 32 hanging out in the same sanatorium together and they wouldn't be dressed, you know, wearing shemags and, and always kind of, you know, like tactful kind of uniforms and stuff like that.
0: But are shemags again? It, it- it's,
1: uh, it's, is, it's it's uh like the scarves you see in the Middle East. Um, I'm probably getting that wrong, but uh, it, it's something that became a kind of, Kind of normal accoutrement of, of guys when they
0: deploy to the Middle East. They wear these. Is it like a gator? Like you pull it over your face, or yeah, yeah, okay.
1: exactly. And with with the design on it. But but again, that's you know, of course, that's not something as common in Belarus or Russia, right? It's it's for it's for guys going to the Middle East. So anyway, you know, all these guys being you know, caught together. Right. If, if you were actually going to try and destabilize uh, a country and, and create protests, and what, you'd send them in pairs or groups of four or you know, something small. You, you wouldn't have 32 guys and they wouldn't be staying together and they wouldn't be dressed the, the way they were. And they were also they, they, they had uh, Belarus, like put up a photo of one of the phones They had they a had group text. And the group text basically said, like, from whichever guy was the most senior. So basically, you can't leave the sanatorium unless you check out with like one of the one of one of the like I don't know team commanders. But it was an SMS text, right? Which you can easily spy on. You, you, they, they would have used some kind of app, whatever. Else. Anyway, they, n- none of this indicated they, they thought they were doing something in Belarus or they were trying to be secretive anyway, right? And so all that indicates they 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 were there to just wait to get a flight and probably with the presumption that Belarus security Services knew they were there and that they weren't a threat. And then in the last kind of element of why that didn't really make sense is that Wagner hasn't been used this way before. So they're typically, you know, they, they have done some, they've been, they've been accused of election interference in like in Africa and and I think in, in trying to put down protests in Sudan, but typically where they operate is where it's kind of a low, it's a low reward, low risk situation for the for Russian foreign policy, right? It's not Primarily in in, in the post Soviet space, which is you know strictly very important for Russia. Yes, they they fought in the Donbass, but that you know that was I think somewhat of a different situation. But in this case, in Belarus, you know if they're trying to destabilize a situation and in in you know conduct the regime change there, that's extremely high risk for Russia. And you wouldn't put you know guys who are you know they're not even your B team. This is you know if 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 you're if you're saying your best intelligence officers are are the NBA, these guys are like high school jv some of them right and and, and these guys probably these, these probably weren't even the best guys that wagner has to offer either right and so you know you've got these guys some of them were like the late 40s who probably you know their careers otherwise didn't go where they wanted to go are, are these the guys you'd want there no absolutely not so anyway you know n- none of this kind of made sense right it, it didn't make sense in terms of russian foreign policy it didn't make sense in terms of of how russia would do this if they wanted to it certainly didn't appear that these guys thought they were doing something in Belarus. They would act differently. And, and it certainly isn't how Wagner's been employed before to further Russian foreign policy interests.
0: And the, the last question I wanted to ask you was, I, I'm pretty sure you're aware of the story that came out yesterday by Alexander Kotz about that, where he makes these, these claims that, in fact, it was Ukrainian intelligence that sort of set up these mercenaries to, and got them to Belarus and then stranded them there and then presumably alerted the Belarusian authorities. Have You've seen this article? Yeah, I saw that. So, does that sound at all plausible to you? Because it does. It does sort of it dovetails with the with the idea that the mercenaries were not there intentionally, anyway, to do anything in in Belarus, and that they thought they were heading off to Venezuela, or maybe it was going to be, you know, um, somewhere in the Middle East initially. But the rest of the details are quite outlandish, it seems, but I wanted to know what do you think about about this? Is it possible that the mercenaries could have been duped into going to Belarus?
1: I mean, you know it, anything's possible. you know it, it's a question about how how realistic it was I, my so my initial thought was that so so basically he, he one of the things he says is that it was all Ukrainian you know security services kind of fake operation, and that there was someone called. One of these these guys who got caught, and basically, said, you know, from a from a phone number that was listed in Syria, or whatever, and said, "Oh, I am you know a former colonel, and I'm trying to recruit guys to come and guard oil fields in Syria." And then from there, that one member of the team that got detained, he then you know recruited all these other guys through WhatsApp. I, I'm not completely sure about how recruitment works, but it, it seemed a little. I mean, I don't know. It seemed a little unlikely that you could get catfished and send 200 guys right on, on a deployment to like syria or somewhere else and, and that no one would have known who was directing this right and you never would have known him personally and, and everything else so i mean again i'm not it's not impossible because because incompetence is always an element right you always factor in but then some of the elements too you know he said that basically all the logistics and the tickets were purchased by companies listed in ukraine so the Russian government's initial response was that all the guys from Belarus and were supposed to fly out, fly to Istanbul and then you know somewhere else after that. But they initially said that all the logistics was taken care of by a Belarusian company. So the, the official Russian government response was like, you, you Belarusian authorities, you have this information, you have the ticket, the, the you know all the tickets, and you have all the other information. And and you know the, the, Regnum posted the electronic tickets for all these guys that had, you know, all of them flying through Turkey and then about half of them flying back in October through Turkey as well to get back to Russia. Uh, it, it, it didn't say where they're going to go from Turkey. And there's kind of some different kind of stories about what, what they might be going to. You know, I, overall, I, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, what he said is, is accurate or not. I think that it it contradicted some of the things that the Russian government said before. And I, I don't know why they would have lied about you know about the Belarusian company paying for logistics logistics for these guys. Some of it too, like the, you know the stories that the t- the plane ticket got canceled. I think the day of they're supposed to fly out of Belarus, and again, you know I I, I don't know ma- maybe this happened, but I, I I would have also presumed that you know he 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 said that the purpose for why Ukraine did this was to you know stoke Russian Belarusian you know tensions. To maybe extradite these these Wagner guys back to uh, Ukraine and and also just you know kind of thumb their nose at, at Wagner, but I mean if these guys were so gullible that they would get on a plane going somewhere, I you think they they literally could have extradited these guys on their own, right? I mean you you'd have thought they could have just chartered a plane and flown them literally to Ukraine. And then just like, all right, you're now arrested, right? Or, 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 you know, authorities said that the fifth group was supposed to go by sea, right? And they could have chartered a ship and just put up, you know, whatever flag and, and just, you know, and, and, and pick these guys up in Novotosysk and just took them to, you know, Ukraine or somewhere else. So the, the, I think there, there are probably easier ways if Ukraine had wanted to extradite these guys, they could have done other than that. But, uh, I, I know that Ukraine did, there, there was that, there was a Brazilian guy who fought for, Before the Donbass, on the side of the separatists, I forget his name. He's like a famous kind of guy, but he somehow the Ukrainians lured him back to Ukraine, and they arrested him. I think at the airport. So you know they've they've done this stuff. You know they've done this kind of stuff before. You have to be pretty stupid, I think, to get to 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 fall for this. But you know what's interesting with the story is that you know so so someone was showing it today that basically all the Russian television networks were covering the story this morning, and that it was you know the number one story, right? And yeah, on one level. Yes, you can blame Ukraine. That's always a, you know, a good kind of PR thing for for Russia to kind of say, "Oh, it's this, this is Ukraine's fault." And, and there was there was some element of of, you know, I saw some of the guys posting about it was that Lukashenko yesterday in an interview, he said that the Ukraine, Ukrainian security services had told Belarus there are an additional 30 Russian private military contracts operating in southern Belarus, but basically they never found them and so he's like, "I'm not sure if this is actually true or not." So some other people were like, oh, see, this is, is all, you know, Ukraine's security service kind of operation. But ultimately, you know, the, the, if, that, if that were true, it, there's some kind of implications from that. One is if you're a foreign country and, and you know, these 200 guys were so gullible that they, they managed to, to go to Belarus without knowing who was paying for them and they just, you know, got arrested and had no idea. Um, it doesn't really speak highly of Russian private military companies, right? You know, these are guys you want to hire for an important job. Like, yeah, I don't know. And, and it also kind of, from, from the Russian state, it make, I mean, it makes the Russian government look weak that this kind of stuff is going on. And it makes the Russian security service look weak that the Ukrainians could fool these guys and that there's no regulation. And, and it also brings up, um, the question of obviously, you know, Russian PMCs aren't regulated and there's an issue with, you know about them being illegal in Russia, even though they're, they're, they operate outside of the borders. But again, it comes back to the question of you know why why are there why is there no government regulation of this to make sure that these things are being done and that it makes any sense. And, and so again, all this comes back to saying it, it, it kind of it, it brings questions about the Russian Russian government and what they're doing. And it doesn't seem like they're in control of the situation. And and so if you, if you believe the story, it, it it doesn't really reflect. Well, on the Russian government and the competence of those guys, you know, one one thing that I was I was saying thinking about before was that there was there was an argument some made that the the firefight in twenty eighteen in Deir ez-Zor in Syria between U.S. and, and uh, U.S. forces and then you know a combination of, of Wagner and, and some Syrian militia groups that basically the Russian MOD wanted that to happen because they were upset that that Wagner. You know, they didn't have unity command. That Wagner was doing their own thing. They weren't working under the Russian MOD's control and all, all those things. And so there's some people that they're alleging, oh, you know what? The Russian MOD probably could have blocked them, could have stopped them. And when the U.S. called a deconfliction line, they, you know, at least from the from the U.S. side, they basically said the Russian MOD is like, no, we don't know who these guys are. Like, basically, you, you do whatever you want. We don't care. And so some, some people allege like, hey, that, that might have been a reason the Russian MOD wanted a really public embarrassment to happen, so that Putin might then come and say, "Okay, you know what? We we need to make sure PMCs are operating under you know Russian MOD control, so that we don't have a, a huge mistake like this happen again." And, and In this case, you know, it, it, again, if we're, if we're if we're just speculating, you could you could also see that you know maybe the Russian security services wanted something embarrassing to happen to again, to prove, hey, you know, every every time the, a Russian PMC is, is recruiting or whatever else it should go through the FSB, it should go through women's organizations, so there's some kind of government oversight, and it's not just guys freelancing and, and you know, freelancing Russian foreign policy, which is, you know, w- which is obviously something that is, is going on. Um, again, that's a speculation, I don't know. So, uh, overall, I mean, Kot's story, it, you know, could it be true? Maybe, you know, it, and, and again, incompetence and, and you know, gullibility, those are always potential answers for any kind of, uh, any operation. But at the same time, you know, it, 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 it the, from 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 belarus's perspective and my, my initial kind of thought was that basically this is lukashenko you know concerned about the election concerned about um the protests that he he you know made this stunt for whatever reason thinking it might i don't know portray him well or, or help him and, and ultimately even if even if you know the ukraine kind of staged this whole thing once the belarusian security services arrested these guys it was immediately obvious you know, based off what they're wearing, what they're doing, that these guys were not planning to do anything, and I'm sure in the interrogation, these guys were just you know giving, you know, w- they're saying whatever they could to get out of this. Right? They're not, they're not trained, so I'm sure Belarus immediately knew, or right, within a day or so, okay, this is this is clearly these guys are not here to do anything here, and so the fact that Lukashenko's still drawing this out, still you know every day making some kind of claim and 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 saying these guys are definitely guilty, it still you know to me at least shows that that he wants to make, he wanted to make this a spectacle. And, you know, even if what the the story that Kotz said is true, you know, ultimately Belarus is still happy using this for, for what it's worth at a minimum. So again, you know, with, with these situations, it's always going to be, you know, you you take your best guess of what it could be and, you know, who knows what, what things we don't know. But again, I I personally think the most likely situation is, is the first thing that Russian government said, these guys were just, they're in. They're in Belarus. The, Rus- the the Belarusian security services knew they were there. That this, this, that they've been tr- they'd been using Minsk for a while. You know, at least during coronavirus, maybe before that, as, as a you know as a as a transit hub. And at this time, the Belarusian security services and Lukashenko decided to to arrest them because of you know some kind of domestic political issue.
0: That's my interview with Rob Lee, a doctoral student in the Department of War Studies at King's College London, a former Alpha Fellow and an ex Marine. Please check the description of this podcast episode for a hyperlink to Rob's excellent Twitter feed. If you enjoyed this interview and like listening to this podcast, please consider visiting patreon.com slash Kevin Rothrock. I've now got two membership tiers, as they're called. For ten bucks a month you can get a set of custom stickers displaying the show's special artwork. And for twice that amount of money per month, you can receive a coffee mug with an even specialer, more exclusive logo featuring the original sketch of the Russia Guys podcast logo. Thank you to everybody already pitching in and those of you who have been pitching in for months or even years. I really appreciate it. Also, I'm happy to get feedback on Twitter if ever you have a comment or a question about the show. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time.
1: Дайте, что ли, карты в руки, погадать на короля. Ой-ля-ля, ой-ля-ля.